With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome, everybody, to episode 38 of the Bomber Brothers podcast, the final one before real baseball is in our hands. Sean and Ryan with you. We couldn't be more excited, and um, for all you Yankee fans that are so excited, we uh, decided to help that excitement by bringing on a Red Sox writer to talk with us today. Uh, Chris Cotillo, Red Sox beat writer for Mass Live, is going to join us later to talk about uh, the enemy from the enemy's perspective, because before this season gets underway, we need to talk about their uh, biggest competition in the American League, Sean. So we're excited to talk to Chris and and especially excited that baseball is coming up in two days as we record here on Tuesday. I'm excited right here, right in the ticker. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm excited to talk to Chris and get a uh, get a perspective from the from the other side, because I think it was really helpful when we talked to uh, John Becker and when we talked to I for, I'm sorry, but I'm forgetting the name of the Oakland reporter before the wild card game. It always helps to kind of get the other side because I think we internalize our problems so much that we don't look at uh, what else is going on. But um, yeah, I'm really excited for for opening day and for baseball to count. I made like my hype video this off season. I think I'm nice. gonna tweet that out. Maybe we can link to it in the show <laughs> notes. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we know the roster now. Um, I assume we'll probably get the lineup some point tomorrow for what the opening day lineup will look like. And I'm excited. I'll, I will be at the stadium on Thursday in the sun. It's only going to be in the low 50s, but that's fine with me. That's that's perfect weather for me. Maybe, maybe high 50s, but that's right around my ideal weather. I actually, I have a, a, I have a belief, and I have nothing to prove this, that 50 degrees in April feels different than 50 degrees in October, and the 50 degrees in October feels better. I don't know if you feel that way, but when you're at a game and it's cold in October, it feels better somehow than the same exact temperature in April. I think the atmosphere of the game probably has an impact on that, on on a, on the mental side of that. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what it is, but it's just like when it's October and it's cold, I'm like, all right, I'm ready. Like this, is, this, is, this is, you know fall baseball but when it's uh when it's april i'm like damn sucks to sit out but luckily it'll be nice on thursday yeah yeah i'm happy you guys will have good weather not happy that i won't be able to make it but i'll i'll go sunday so still get to the opening series at least yeah but then you're missing some duck ball on sunday 
Uh, yeah, that's, that's, well, you know, I'll, it doesn't it doesn't count. It's just a scrimmage. So yeah, I'll get there. I, I'm going. I'm going to observe some major leaguers to see how I can improve my my swing. Well, then watching the Orioles is the wrong way to go about it. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm I'm gonna I'm just gonna make sure I watch Mike Talkman very closely and try to <laughs> try to mimic that swing. But um, well, we don't have Shane Robinson, but we got him. Yeah, who has been acquired uh, for Philip Deal, and then Tyler Wade did not take that news very well. I guess that's uh, kind of the main news out of Yankees camp right now. I, I guess you could say. Um, Talkman comes in, a lefty outfielder from the Rockies, as the Yankees just continue to pluck former Rockies from Colorado this offseason. Uh, he has very minimal major league experience over the last two years, and OPS plus of 20, I believe. Uh, but again, very small sample size. He has an OPS over 900 in AAA the last two seasons, so... You know, a lefty bat in Yankee Stadium, could he be another hidden gem discovered by Brian Cashman? Yes, possibly. Um, but also on the same on the same side of that, Tyler Wade was having a fantastic spring. I'm assuming that this is out of concern for Tyler Wade's outfield defense since he's mainly an infielder. But um, what was your take on how this was handled? Obviously, Tyler Wade was very upset and um, wasn't afraid to show it, which I personally have no problem with at all. I mean, when you play like he did after the Yankees have been so high on him for a couple of years, and then all of a sudden this trade kind of hits him out of nowhere just a week before opening day. Let me ask you a question. Do you think if the Yankees knew Tyler Wade would have had this kind of spring training, they would have signed DJ LeMahieu? <laughs> that's a good question. Um, because that's I was thinking about it, and I'm thinking, okay, if Hicks is out for an extended period of time, then – and if Gard- something were to happen to Gardner, then what you'd have is Judge in center field most likely because I don't think Wade is going to be playing center. Um, so they are in a tough spot there, but it's just a matter of how they constructed the roster that really, to me, is the is the sticking point. But I, I felt I felt really bad for Wade. He had he did what he had to do. He came in, he had a good spring. I didn't think his defense was atrocious. I mean, granted. I can only look at the stats and the couple of games that were on TV, but I mean, did you think he was a terrible outfielder? I, I didn't think so. No, no, I didn't think so either. I, um, I thought he was perfectly serviceable, but again, I we don't really have the advanced defensive numbers to look at, which are obviously more reliable than my naked eye, at least. But um, it's also a smaller sample size in spring training. But no, I don't. I thought, I thought he was fine. Uh, apparently, the Yankees just want more insurance in the outfield. They want a natural outfielder out there, I, I guess, is the um, is the idea right now. I don't know what it says for their outlook on Hicks coming back soon, if, if that had any play. But back to the LeMahieu thing, I, I mean, I, I could still see them still signing him just because they wanted a reliable infield glove in an infield that doesn't have one right now with with Gregorius out and the Yankees. But Wade are so, is a good. He's a good infielder. Yeah, yeah, he's good. He's really fast. He can, he's can cover a lot of ground. Um, I guess that maybe they would just have still wanted to shore up that defense though because of how ground ball heavy their pitching staff is. And you got Andujar, Tulowitzki, a thirty four year old Tulowitzki coming off bum heels. Hey, he's <laughs> coming on strong to end the spring. He, yard <laughs> he is. Last he is. Night. He is. Um, Thank God, because uh, it was looking like his uh, crash back down to earth was coming very, very faster than we expected. But um, 
but I, I guess I still could have seen them signing LeMahieu. Um, I guess it's a, a good thing that they have him given their defense and given the fact that it didn't seem like they had any intention to sign an infielder like Machado this offseason. So uh, that's the direction they went in, and now they've got him. They've got uh, Talkman, who I have absolutely no experience in watching. I just saw that he put up good numbers in the minor leagues and also seems to have a good eye. I think his uh, strikeout percentage was below 15% uh, the last two years, too, so that could that could be helpful. Uh, him and him and Bird in the lineup, a pair of lefties. If if Talkman uh, plays well, that that could be great for the Yankees. So uh, we'll we'll see how that turns out. But I still I still feel bad for Tyler Wade. He he was playing really well. He could have also been a lefty bat in that lineup. Uh, and hopefully he comes back up soon. Uh, I would hope so for his sake. But um, yeah, I mean that is a, a fringe roster decision. I mean I hope it doesn't haunt us too much, or or you know not that it would haunt us. But, you know, I just I hope that Wade gets a just shot because he did everything that you would want him to do. He came, he performed, he played wherever you needed him to. And um, I mean, at the end of the, the day, he, I mean, he had the most at bats in, uh, in 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 spring training. He hit 308 with a 345 on, on base, you know, an 845 OPS, which for a fringe guy is not is not too bad. Seven doubles mixed in there. So ah, what are you going to do? Was it was it an epic troll job by Tyler Wade the other night when Talkman came up for his I think it was his first spring at bat and didn't he strike out and on the pitch Tyler Wade st- stole second base because he I came did, in as a pinch runner when Talkman came up to to bat I did not notice that but uh, <laughs> ouch yeah I wonder if he stared him down from second base when Talkman was walking back to the dugout <laughs> <laughs> all right um. But yeah, that that was the biggest news out of out of Yankees camp so far. The biggest scare out of Yankees camp was Greg Bird. He got hit on the elbow uh, with a pitch, and of course, your first thought is, can this guy catch any type of break in spring training? Uh, because you know he got hit on the foot the last game of spring training in 2017 when he was on a tear, and he's on a tear now. He gets plunked in the elbow. Everyone holds their breath. He sits out a game, then he's in the lineup for the next game, but then is pulled at the last second. But now he's back in the lineup, drew a walk, ripped a double last night. So it seems like everything's okay and we can breathe a sigh of relief. But that was a huge scare, I know, for me because you know we're we're Greg Bird fans. We we've seen what he can do. We've seen how incredible of a hitter he is, and we see it in spring training all the time when he's healthy. And I mean, if his season was derailed by a, a pitch that hit him in the elbow, that would have that's it would have sucked to see that yeah i mean we you know i think through text we said even though we're facing guys that throw like 50 on a good day it it still (laughs) hurts and and you get some swelling in there in that elbow so i I think and i think boone and and his messaging he, he did the right thing and he did a really good job of getting out in front of it and saying he looked fine. I just wanted to give him an extra day because I don't want to mess with his mechanics. And look, he wasn't overly aggressive trying to prove that he was healthy, works a walk, and then he rips a double. So, I mean, what else do you want? Um, Bird came in, obviously, with his back up against the wall this spring. He hit 333 with a 1.143 OPS. Uh, half of his hits were for extra bases. And he drew 13 walks in uh, in 19 games. So, 
he had a good spring. I'm excited to see what he can do, especially since it seems like, yeah, he's fine after getting hit in the elbow. And it uh, turns out he's not actually made of glass. <laughs> it, it also looks like John Carlos Stanton is fine. One of the uh, one of the few games I've been able to watch recently was, I think, Friday night when Stanton hit two home runs. And the first one, he just absolutely murdered a breaking ball that was just hit into another dimension. And then, to Stanton Island. Yeah, and then, they, yeah, we, we should talk about those commercials in a second. But and then his second home run was on a broken bat, a three-two pitch. He was he clearly was looking for a breaking ball. He got a fastball, and he was he was uh he just kind of you know flicked his arms out there, broke his bat, and put it over the left field wall. So uh, looks like Stanton's okay. I'm I'm excited to watch Stanton. I'm really excited to watch Stanton this year. I'm, I'm thinking this is 2005. A Rod situation where he had a good, not great year. His first year in pinstripes gets gets a full off season in New York, has a full season in New York under his belt, and just goes on a tear. And I'm super excited to watch Stanton starting on Thursday. Yeah, I uh, I'm hopeful that he has a big year. He he definitely is streaky as we've seen in spring. So hopefully he gets off on a nice streak, takes some of the pressure off, and then that'll make the low points a little bit uh, a little bit easier for him. But, um, I, I mean, just, just wrapping up on what happened this spring before we start to look ahead to the, to the season, um, what else caught your eye besides Stanton getting hot late? Uh, Sanchez looked like he was going to break out of it, but never really did. Um, and then Aaron Judge had, <laughs> what? I have it right here in front of me, excuse me. 12 hits. Can you guess how many of them were not for extra bases? Four. One. <laughs> he had 12 hits. He had four doubles, one triple, and six home runs. That makes 11 out of his 12 hits for extra bases. So one was a single. And add in nine walks on top of that, and you get a uh, 1.394 OPS. So uh, Judge is locked in. Hopefully he keeps that going for the season. Um, I thought that uh, Torres and Andujar both both came ready to work, which is good. They didn't let the success of their rookie season get to them. They have big springs. Uh, like I said, I think the only thing going in for the regular lineup that I'm very concerned about is I want Sanchez to start to look like the hitter we know he can be. And I want Tulowitzki not to suck completely <laughs> until Didi comes back. No, those, are, those are good things for the wish list. Uh, only one of them that I feel like I'm really concerned about. I'm, I'm, not, I'm still not concerned about Sanchez coming off that shoulder surgery. It was his lead hitting shoulder. Like That takes time. That definitely takes time to readjust and get back in a groove. And um, I mean, I mean, not only did he show flashes of coming out of it in spring training, I thought he showed flashes of what he could be in the playoffs last year, hitting mammoth home runs uh, at Fenway Park and uh, like Tower Power. <laughs> and so I'm not too concerned about him. Tulowitzki one, I could, yeah, I'll be with you on the concern category as well. You, you just, it's just kind of. Uh, one of those things where you feel like you're watching through clenched teeth every game, hoping that he holds up until, you know, late summer when, when DD comes back, and then hopefully we don't have to see Tulowitzki anymore because uh, I'm anticipating by then that the uh, performance is not going to be great. I just a 34 year old who hasn't played a full season in two years, I just don't see him holding up through the All Star break. So. Please get well soon, Dee Dee. I saw you were wielding a weed whacker on the new commercial today. Bronx yard work, yeah. <laughs> Got to get me one of them shirts. 
so so what's that the third commercial they've released so far they had that one the odovino one and the um oh there was four four uh the two you said uh the yard work odovino stanton island and the the paxton one. Oh yeah with the eagle <laughs> all right so uh what's you want to rank them real quick what you think have been your favorites have you liked them um i the only one i didn't i really didn't like was i didn't like the paxton one uh i thought it was kind of <laughs> lame but i i liked what they tried to do with gardner with the bald eagle and then bird saying he takes the bird side like you know i get it but the execution was poor uh i think the yard work one was probably my favorite though i would say either that one or the or the odovino one were my, were my um, favorites but it uh, would it would have been a nice touch if if when Odovino wakes up, he's wearing the same pajamas as Smalls, and maybe <laughs> Babe Ruth came out of the closet because they look very like very similar pajamas. So I thought of that. Like, oh wait, are they trying to tie it into the Sandlot somehow? That that would that would have been good. Um, but yeah, I I, I like the yard work one and the Paxson one. I get what you're saying, but I <laughs> it was also cracking me up at like the. Uh, like the dramatization replays when like the bald <laughs> eagle was like a stuffed animal and they were just like, <laughs> yeah, that, that was pretty funny. Um, so yeah, so those, uh, those have been uh, funny to watch every morning as, as those are starting to come out. So, um, happy we, we're, we're basically ready. I feel like to close the door here on, on spring training and start looking ahead to the regular season and maybe, uh, what give some give some predictions let's do it we know the roster okay that's that's been settled and we talked about really the one question mark on it i think the the pitching obviously the back end of the rotation is not going to be ideal no matter what until we get cc and uh sevy back but um that's the yankees own fault we've touched on that enough so uh what are you thinking what do you want to talk what are your what are your predictions for this season and expectations uh well my expectations are to win a world series i think uh you know we've we've talked we've talked multiple times about um specifically yours and mine's disappointment towards the yankees uh oh you're getting a phone call towards the (laughs) towards the yankees lack of uh activity with superstar free agents this year but the i mean the thing that the thing is in all honesty even though they didn't they're still in an american league full of tankers and that's gonna guarantee them what uh a hundred wins even though you know you've you've got the red Sox and the astros who are going to be competing you have the indians who are going to run away with the central even though they're still not going to be very good but they didn't add many pieces as it is so you know, did the Yankees do everything I would have liked them to do? No. Are they still going to probably win 95-plus games, possibly the division? Yes. They're definitely going to get a, a playoff spot. You hope it doesn't end in, you know, you know, you hope it doesn't end in another wild card game because I I don't know how much more my blood pressure can take of those uh, do-or-die games. So you hope it ends in the, in the division, but that's my expectation, uh, at least, at least a uh, a playoff season. Like to see them back to the ALCS and hopefully the World Series. And you just hope that these new questionable pieces they add, they added holds up. You hope Severino comes back healthy and Sanchez comes back to being the catcher we know he can be, and that the Yankees win their twenty eighth World Series. I think that's the obvious goal. That's the ob- obviously what we want to see and. 
I think it's also important to know that if we don't see that and the Yankees just win the American League, that that's also not terrible either. Yeah, I I think that they have a very good chance to win the World Series this year. Uh, I wouldn't say I expect it because I think they could be taken down by any of the big, I mean, we are part of the big four, but any of the other big four in the league. And the thing that's frustrating, and you kind of hit on it, is they had the opportunity to create separation there and they, they didn't do it. The other thing that I really didn't like and that really makes me nervous going into the season is their lack of rotation depth. And we were, were already seeing that. I mean, they could have went out and got some of these middle-of-the-pack starters uh, like a Gio Gonzalez earlier, had them prepared for the season. And they chose not to do that. And now we're in the situation that we're in where our, you know, our fourth starter is Domingo Herman, who, while he has shown flashes, he obviously needs more work. Um so, so that definitely makes me nervous. And the other thing I just, I just think of is that, um, you know, if you start to have injuries to this lineup, there's really not a ton of uh, a ton of places where you're going to get a production production value from if you have an injury to one of your your big hitters right now, especially with Didi out, because like. You know what? If you had a guy like Stanton go down or, or or Sanchez, that really changes the complexion of the lineup now. Where if you had a guy like Didi, it doesn't. And they didn't they didn't add any of these big guns. Now, I'll change course and say that having Bird and Voight gives you two options. Where if you can open up that DH spot somehow, now you have two guys that look like they can hit, and we'll see. But um, one of the things I'm most excited about for this year is to see what a healthy Gary Sanchez can do after not being healthy for quite a while and what a healthy Greg Bird can do after not being healthy for quite a while. And I'll put another one in there. What John Carlos Stanton on a good hammy can do for a full season. So those are what kind of what I'm excited about. What about you? I, I think, uh, I think the, the word to take away there is health and realize that how, how much good fortune takes part in teams putting together a winning season. We're going to talk to Chris Cotillo, who covers the Red Sox, in a couple minutes. And and an important thing to remember about the Red Sox is that they did stay healthy. Mookie Betts, one of the best players in baseball, was healthy all year. I think you saw how him not being healthy in 2017 affected their performance, particularly in the playoffs. He was battling a bad wrist. Bogarts was hurt, playing hurt last year. And then, um, you know, obviously he was healthy last year. They added J.D. Martinez, so... And then you, you see the Yankees last year. They lose Aaron Judge for six six or seven weeks. He's replaced by Shane Robinson. John Carlos Stanton battled a bad hamstring. So, you know, it's uh, – and Gary Sanchez, obviously, with the shoulder issue. So you, the main thing you can hope for is that everyone just stays healthy. And that's that's what I'm looking forward to is, is uh, seeing guys healthy and watching the Yankees hit a, a ton of home runs and – uh, guess I'm all I'm, I'm I'm excited to see, you know, not that I, not that I could say with certainty that it's going to happen, but if if I'm most excited for something, I would say I want to see Greg Bird take off and and put in a full productive season, just because, you know, it, it I guess it kind of feels like he's running out of time to show that he can do that before the Yankees decide that it might be time to move on to uh to someone else. Obviously, they they do have Voight there, and you hope he doesn't. Uh, regress too much didn't seem like he's he's going to based on his spring training output but 
uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I want to see big things from, from Greg Bird. And I want to see big things from James Paxton. I want to see that trade pay off because the Yankees are going to need another top flight starter like him, especially if it's going to take a little while for Severino to get back. Yeah, I, I pretty much agree with everything you just said. And uh, I'm excited to, to talk to to Chris about sort of where where we stand because I think we have a pretty good idea of, of what we think of the team and before we get to him I was wanted to see how good of an idea you had of the team and wanted to maybe make you make some predictions if, if you're all right with that yeah yeah about yeah. some uh, about some unknowns <laughs> all right let's do it all right so the first one you were talking about already how many home runs do you think Bird will hit this year <laughs> uh I think he'll hit let's see let me go with a random number yeah, twenty twenty two was my high school number. I'm going to go with twenty two. I feel like that's that's uh, not too, not too optimistic, not too pessimistic. I you know he he puts in a, a good amount of time, more time than he's put in in a major league season so far in his career, and he hits hits twenty two home runs. Okay, question number two: What is the first day that play Romine becomes a thing on Twitter? Thursday. <laughs> 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 and okay. I say and I say that with utmost confidence. All right. Um, do you think Paxton spends more than or less than thirty days on the injured list? Less. I like it. Uh, those, those injuries were fluky. I, I, I'm, I feel I feel good about Paxton. All right. All right. That, that's good. Um, uh, Stanton. How how much what percentage of time do you think he plays in left field versus DH? Wow. Uh I, honestly I'm a little worried about Hicks. The back the back isn't something to mess around with. I think he winds up spending a, a decent amount of time in left field, but which is okay from Stanton's perspective because he's used to playing the outfield every day when he was with with Miami. So I'll I'll give it a uh, hmm, like a 55-45 split. Okay. What day will I send fucking Boone to the group text? <laughs> um, For the first time, obviously. Yeah. Um, I'll give you. I'll give you till early May. All right. Yeah, I might give him a little bit of leash in April. Let yeah. the, let the relievers stretch out. <laughs> um, when Batances comes off the injured list. Does he return to being good Batances or bad Batances? Um, I I think he returns to being good Batances. He uh, I, I'm not sure what's behind this crazy dip in velocity, but I feel like it seems like all he needs to do is just get that velocity back, and then he'll be okay. I mean he he seems to he seems to think that he's okay and that he just quote unquote feels like crap and needs to work his way back. So. Why that's taking longer than usual, I don't know, but I feel like he'll be okay when he comes back. We've even seen him struggle through some some bad months and then return to dominance like he was last year. So, I mean, he's been one of the best relievers in baseball for four years now, so I, I'm, I'm expecting him to be all right. Good. Uh, who has a better sophomore season, uh, Torres or Andujar? Torres. Torres? Okay, cool. Am I, am I incorporating defense and offense? Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, Torres. Okay. Of all the fringe guys that they signed, well, I guess there's really not that many. It's just LeMahieu, um, Tulowitzki, 
really. And I guess if you want to count uh, Talkman, <laughs> Talkman, <laughs> out of out of those three, who has the best season? <laughs> uh, Lemayhew, I'd say. All right, just, when just is because back? he. Uh, oh, um, my birthday, July nineteenth. All right. And you were going to say LeMahieu just because he's most likely to stay on the roster and not get hurt? Yeah, yeah. pretty much. <laughs> gotcha. Um, I think that's just about all I've got. Uh, I didn't want to ask any more questions about Sanchez because it's too hard to predict that I couldn't come up with a good number to predict. But I just wanted to see what you want. Last one, how many wins do you think the Yankees walk away with this season in the regular season? <sighs> all right, what was it, 100 last year? Um so hard because I don't feel like the Yankees got too much better, but I also don't feel like the American League did either. Um, you know what? It, it's the 20th anniversary of the 99 World Series. 99 games. Okay, cool. What about you? 103. 103, all right. 103, I'm going that was, uh That was how many they won in 09, right? Correct. All right, well, that would be fitting for the 10-year anniversary. Of uh of that World Series, so 103. I'm assuming you think they're going to win the American League East, unless you think the Red Sox are going to be on a historic pace again with, with that bullpen. Let's talk to Chris, and then we could come back and talk about the division predictions and uh, if we've out if we've outdone Boston or not. All right, sounds good. So uh, we talked to Chris Cotillo. He's the Red Sox beat writer for Mass Live. Also has done plenty of uh, baseball reporting at the national level. Broke broken a ton of news and. Uh, we'll talk to him and see if the Yankees have closed that gap on the defending world champs and uh, what this season's going to look like. So here's Chris. All right, we're joined now by Chris Cotillo. He's the Red Sox beat reporter for MassLive.com and has also broken plenty of baseball news at, at the national level with his time at MLB Daily Dish. Chris, thanks for uh, taking the time before things get a little hectic in a couple days. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. So um, the Red Sox defending champs, obviously. I think it was uh, I think it was Ben Lindbergh who did a, a piece a couple days ago on how defending champs usually don't add or subtract too much to their uh, rosters after winning the World Series, unless of course you're the Marlins. But um, in, in your mind, what uh, what improvements have the Red Sox made, if any? Obviously, it's hard to get much better than 108 wins and a World Series title. Yeah, I mean for them, you know, the big move of the offseason was re-signing Nate Evaldi, four years, 68 million dollar deal, and you know, after what he showed in October, they're excited to get a full year out of him. They acquired him at the deadline. He was obviously a stellar for the second half of the year, but now. They'll have a full year out of him. So, to me, you know, one of the best rotations, if not the best in baseball, with big three of Price, Porcello, and Sale, and then Evaldi and Eduardo Rodriguez, who are very good as well. So, um, that's the big thing. Obviously, there's some question marks in the bullpen, but they decided they wanted to commit a bunch of dollars to Evaldi and eventually Sale on an extension and really uh, strengthen that rotation as much as possible. So, so, you mentioned the bullpen, and I mean, that would probably be the obvious answer to this next question but if there were any others do you think there's any other area of the team that maybe they could have improved on but um just didn't address it because of uh, the money they committed to the evaldi no i think you know this just the the rotation was very strong obviously and then 
they had the uh, positional players was pretty much set. They had pretty much every spot already filled, and then you know Dustin Pedroia coming back means they even have to get rid of a catcher. So Sandy Leon, you know, today will be probably moved at some point. So um, they really didn't have any room position player wise. They didn't have room in the rotation, so the bullpen was the only thing. And they decided, you know, instead of going out and you know either resigning Kimbrel or making a big play at resigning Kelly or trying to get one of these other guys, they were going to decided to just try to do it on their own and cobble something together, and we'll see how that plays out. The names aren't really strong. I think the guy who's making the most money in the bullpen is Tyler Thornburg at a million seventy-five, something like that. But you know, Dombrowski and Cora trust in what they have, so they're going to go with it starting uh, Thursday in Seattle. So uh, we opened the season, Chris, with obviously the Red Sox as, as the hunted, and the Yankees are the hunters trying to, trying to close the gap between them, and the Yankees did actually have a pretty active offseason. Looking from the other side, from, from up in Boston, what is the feeling and what is your feeling on the addition that the Yankees have made this offseason? So obviously, you know, they decided to prioritize the bullpen. They decided that that was going to be an area of strength. And you know, adding on to being a resigning Britain and, and adding to that stack group, I think um, it, it's pretty impressive. You know, adding James Paxton to the rotation was a big early move, really the first move of the offseason for anybody. So they've been aggressive. You don't know question about that. I still think, you know, there are some injury concerns with the Yankees. Some key guys, Severino, Gregorius, these guys, you know, you don't really know when they're going to come back. So, um, in terms of the rotation, I think the Red Sox is much better. In terms of the bullpen, I think the Yankees are much better, and the lineups are about equal. So it should be a dogfight, you know, throughout the year. I don't think the Red Sox are going to win this division by eight games again, but it could be, you know, a close race where these games between these teams really matter. So that's always fun. And, you know, you did bring up that the lineups are, are pretty much, it's pretty much a wash, and that the Red Sox do have do have the advantage in the rotation, but those are both areas that the Yankees chose not to improve upon this offseason, whether it be the, the big fish of, of Harper and Machado, and, you know, I understand that part of the sentiment is that the Yankees are, are spoiled and, and want a free agent, and also they, they didn't really add any rotation depth up until it was pretty much too late. Like, Gio Gonzalez is a quality pitcher, but he's also now only had one, one appearance in spring training. Are... As, as a Red Sox supporter, do you think the Yankees had an opportunity here to, to pass the Red Sox and fail to seize it? I think the, Red, the Yankees kind of have their view on the long haul, too, because the Red Sox, as everybody knows, have all these guys up for free agency after this year, after next year, whether that be, you know, not Chris Taylor anymore, but Porcello, Bogart, Katie Martinez after this year, and Mookie Bass in two years. The Yankees might be banking on, you know, there's no way they resign all these guys. Maybe our window will open a little bit. The Yankees have some guys under control that made some moves kind of for the long haul. So, you know, in their mind, they might have thought of 2020, 2021 as the better chances to contend. If they did, then, you know, they have uh, some pieces that are lined up for past this year. So, not that they're conceding this year by any means, but they weren't going to go, you know, crazy just to compete this season when they know the Red Sox is a good chance that they're going to get weaker in the next couple. So that's actually a perfect leeway to my next question, which was going to be about the longer-term uh, outlook of the Sox. And and you're right, there's plenty of uh, pending free agents coming up, and maybe the Yankees are playing that long game. But uh, the Red Sox, you know, I think they were ranked 30th in terms of their farm system uh, this most in the most recent ranking. So how, how do you see the uh, long-term outlook of this battle for the uh, American League East with the Yankees and, and the Red Sox? You know, the Red Sox clearly 
have had the upper hand in recent years. Do you see that potentially swaying as the Red Sox do their best to uh, uh, you know keep all of these core players once they hit free agency? Definitely. You know, I think it's definitely possible. The Red Sox have their work cut out for them. You know, the sale move was a great start, but Xander Bogarts, J.D. Martinez has the opt-out. Xander Bogarts is a free agent. Rick Porcello is a free agent after this year. And then really the big session, Mookie Betts, the reigning AL MVP a year after. So the Red Sox are trying to talk extensions with all of them. They know they're not going to be able to bring all of them back. It's just impossible with what those guys will require. That opens things up a little bit for, you know, the Yankees too. You know, they obviously locked up Severino and Hicks over the winter and they're really in the spring rather and have some other guys on long-term deals. So, um, yeah, I think the Yankees know that there's a chance the Red Sox break up and, and they have, they'll have a good chance at things. But at the same time, the Red Sox aren't looking at this as, all right, we have one year to contend, two years to contend, and then we're going to rebuild. They're clear by re-signing sale, by signing Evaldi to that four-year deal, that they're looking to be contenders for the next four or five years as well. Speaking of bringing somebody back, you brought up Craig Kimbrell, and he remains unsigned just two days before opening day. Is, is there, do you see any possibility that maybe after a couple weeks and some of these, um, you know, some of these lesser known names in the Red Sox bullpen struggle out of the gate and they realize like, okay, the, the bullpen is going to be a problem. We need to, we need to improve upon it. And Kimbrell is still out there. Do you, do you see the Red Sox maybe changing their way of thinking and, and, and throwing some money at Kimbrell to get him to come back and, and help uh, a bullpen that could struggle this season? There are too many luxury tax concerns for them to really be interested in that. You know, the only thing, if there's an injury, if they're really struggling, I could see, you know, maybe, I guess, them, them reaching out and just blowing past that threshold. But um, they've shown almost zero interest in a reunion to this point. The owners said at the beginning of spring training, it's extremely unlikely he comes back. It seems like he could be coming toward a deal with either Milwaukee or Atlanta in the next few days. If that doesn't happen, though, I mean, until something happens, you have to think, wow, this is this is wide open. Anything could happen. And uh, But I really would rule the Red Sox out. If they wanted to get something done, I think they would have by this point. I'm glad you brought up the luxury tax because I believe that's something Boston also uh, blew past last year, and that is, uh, I'm sure you've heard, a huge topic of conversation uh, in New York in terms of Yankees' universe is concerns about the luxury tax. And you know, did, obviously, it doesn't seem like it probably bothers the Red Sox right now as they won the World Series. So, you know, with all that added playoff and World Series revenue, it, it seems like the luxury tax really only costs them the equivalent of. You know, from a Yankees perspective, Brett Gardner's current contract and and maybe ten draft spots, I think. And you know, when when you win the World Series, the difference isn't between a number one pick and a number ten; it's a number thirty-two and and then a pick in the second round. So, you know, are those luxury tax penalties really that crippling for a franchise, as you've seen from a Red Sox perspective? They are severe in terms of, you know, the money you have to pay, and they, no one likes to lose the draft pick, but that's the price you have to pay, you know, to win. If if that if they hadn't won last year, it might have been a different story, but, you know, winning the World Series kind of cures everything, and those problems don't seem like problems. In a perfect world, they don't want to do that again, going past that third one. That's why they've really tried to stay under it, and, um, you know, even with the bullpen the way it is, they've, they've done a good job of trying to, you know, not sign anybody, not go crazy, and, and try to stay under. So that's their focus this year. They're really going to try to do that. Uh, they're committed to that. And But, you know, that itch, that was the goal last year also before they, they brought in Evaldi and Ginsler and Pierce in the middle of the season. So 
if that if they are you know in contention, which they will be in the hunt again, they look like you know maybe a bullpen piece could push them over the edge. I wouldn't be surprised if Dombrowski scratches that edge just because you know this is a team that can win the World Series. Everybody knows that, and um, they have the pieces to do it, the leadership to do it. And I wouldn't be absolutely shocked if they just said, you know, screw it, we'll we'll pay up and pay to play. All right, we're talking with Chris Cantillo, the Red Sox beat reporter for Mass Live. Red Sox obviously bounced the Yankees in the ALDS last year. And, Chris, if I recall this correctly, we were, um, you know, it was after game two at Fenway. Judge is walking past the Red Sox clubhouse playing New York, New York. And, and I think I remember in the video it was you walking in the other direction uh, in the video that, you know, kind of went viral. If, if I'm recalling that correctly, as you're walking past, did you kind of, did you kind of see that as becoming what it did as, you know, this, uh, you know, rally cry from a lot of fans of like, Oh, you know, this is going to anger the Red Sox. This is going to be the turning point in the series, which, you know, obviously after the Red Sox won, people pointed to that, whether it was warranted or not. But, uh, did, did you think anything of it when you were walking past him and he was playing that song? Yeah, I thought, wow, this guy's lucky I'm, I'm on camera, so this will go viral. <laughs> um, otherwise, no, I just, I think, you know, I was walking out of the clubhouse after game two and uh, going back up to the press box to write, and I heard this, like, very loud New York, New York. And, you know, it sounded like it was almost coming over, like, the, the stadium speakers. And so I was very confused about where it was coming from. And then I saw a judge kind of walking towards me. Obviously, you're not going to miss him. And as he got coming towards me it got louder and louder and a few people stopped kind of just to try to figure out what's going on um and he had the boom box that was blaring it so i of course you know put it in our company slack and said wow this is a crazy moment they're like you didn't get that on video i'm sure that's going to go viral which of course it did so there goes was about a billion page views or whatever but um yeah i didn't think it would be that big of a moment when it happened i thought it was funny and um you know it's kind of disorienting honestly um yeah, it did end up blowing up and me and my stupid uh, green October sweater um, <laughs> all over ESPN and Fox and all this stuff. So a lot of people, it's like, is that you? So, yep, that's unfortunately. So, um, but yeah, the Red Sox really embraced it. They, that was the first song they played when they clinched uh, the division series at, New, at Yankee Stadium and uh, even part of the clubhouse celebration at Dodger Stadium when they won the whole thing. So um, they like to improve, kind of steal the songs of everywhere they were. They clinched all three. You know, they clinched actually the division in the Yankee Stadium and then the ALDS in New York, the ALCS in Houston, and the World Series in L.A. So no champagne at celebrations at Fenway all year. And they like to take the songs um, you know, deep in the heart of Texas and Houston, um, and and also you know taking some songs in LA about California. So it kind of became uh, we're going to win in your house and we're going to play your song, which you know disrespectful as it is, those guys tore through those playoff opponents and uh, they can do whatever they want. Yeah, they sure can. One of the historic seasons in recent history for the Red Sox, and Chris was there to cover it as a reporter for Mass Live. Chris, thanks so much for joining us and. Uh, have fun this season out there. I'm sure it'll be another one with uh, a lot of wins and more World Series contention. So uh, enjoy it. Thank you. Have a good season, guys. All right. Huge thanks to Chris Cotillo getting us uh, a sense of life on the other side right now where the Red Sox uh, – and probably say life's a little better than us. They're, they're the defending world champs. They just won 108 games, but they also 
did leave some things uh, unaddressed, particularly the bullpen, which um, kind of has been the M.O. a little bit of Dave Dombrowski-constructed teams. They always seem to have uh, pretty rough bullpens and obliterated farm systems, but they are usually contenders. So are how... How much, if any, do you think the Yankees have have closed the gap with uh, Boston's lack of activity this offseason? I think the Yankees – all right, so I don't think the Yankees did enough to pass Boston, if you just look at it that way. But the Red Sox did so little and (laughs) and lost, you know, everybody out of their bullpen, essentially, that I think the Red Sox fell behind the Yankees. So, you know, I don't think the Yankees are a 108-win team, as I said before, but I don't think the Red Sox are a 103-win team, which I think the Yankees will get to. So I think the Yankees got slightly better, but I think the Red Sox got um, moderately worse. So I think the Yankees will probably win the division by, let's say, a full series, three games. What about I, you, sir? I, I'm back and forth on this. I don't obvious, – obviously, as, as a Yankee fan, I'm encouraged by Boston's lack of activity. But I also know that they still have two of the best hitters in baseball, which is obviously scary to think about. I also think that they could have um, a starter in Eduardo Rodriguez who can take a big step uh, forward this this season, potentially. Um, but you you hope outside of outside of Sale that the rest of the rotation, you know, maybe Ivaldi struggles a uh, a little bit and. Um, uh, price as well. But. Well, we've seen that with both of them. They both have periods where they just they they totally lose it. And I mean, candidly, we've seen what happens to guys when they pitch deep into October. Sometimes the next season there is a residual effect, and they are a little gassed. And especially with guys like Price and Sale, where there could be some there could be some issues. I'll tell you what, I'm excited to hit against Sale when he's 34 years old because <laughs> I don't think I don't think that skinny frame is going to hold up that long. Um, Freezing cold takes. We'll definitely play this back in in five years, and I'll eat my words. But I agree, but I'm definitely still scared to face him when he's 30, which is this year. So, so that's that's why I go back and forth. I agree that it will be determined with uh, within like a series, two or three games. But I I just I keep going back and forth. I'll say I think the Yankees are going to win the division. I can probably flip flip that by tomorrow. That's how much I go back and forth <laughs> because while while Boston doesn't have the bullpen advantage obviously I think they do have the rotation advantage as of now just because guys like Porcello just seem to always pitch well against the Yankees or the Yankees just don't hit well against him I mean we saw that in the playoffs last year all the Yankees really needed to do was hit Rick Porcello and they just uh and hit Evaldi and they weren't able to do it things that uh a lot of times during the regular season other teams had no problem with but uh, I think the offensive advantage maybe depth wise goes to the Yankees but the Red Sox also have one of the best outfields in baseball and also have two of the best hitters in baseball so it's it's going to be interesting I'm, I'm expecting a dog fight I don't think it's going to be uh, separated by eight games like it was this year the Yankees had an opportunity to add other pieces to make us say resoundingly that they're going to win the division they didn't luckily the Red Sox didn't either so it's going to be close but uh, I'll say the Yankees right now, just because I think a part of me is like, please God, not another wild card game. That's <laughs> I know I know they're I know they've won the last two, but it's just not a not a stressor that I feel like dealing with again. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely tough uh, 
being in that game, it, it takes a, it takes takes a load on you go warming up to the game. And then once you're in it, you're in it. But yeah, I think the Yankees win the division. Um, and I would suspect that the Astros probably finished with the best record in the American League. And I think they'd probably meet again in the ALCS, the Yankees and Astros. That's my prediction. That's as far as I'm going to go. All right, I'll go that far too. And uh, actually, our Pinstripe Alley predictions come out tomorrow. But I—that's that was my ALCS Yankees Astros. Oh well, so, I won't spoil the article then because uh, <laughs> I want people want people to go there. Um, but does your World Series pick rhyme with Schmankies? Yeah, it does. It does. All right, cool, cool, very cool. Sounds good. Uh, I guess that that's it. I mean, we've we've worked through this long and frustrating winter and, and early spring and, and we've made it. And the next time we talk, we'll be able to talk about who looks good in games and what Aaron Boone is doing and, and talk about real baseball. Finally. I'm, I'm super excited. I'm already irrationally planning every possible day. I can go to a game over the first few weeks. Just it's that, it's that time where you're just excited and you want to be at the ballpark and you want to, take in the atmosphere of meaningful baseball because you missed it so much and um you know for better or worse all the uh things we were frustrated about in the off season with the Yankees and really baseball in general is just for me just kind of washed away whenever I'm just watching a game and then it's just I like becomes... baseball's new strategy of just sign everybody to extension <laughs> so there is no more free agency and then we can't get upset about it yeah, uh, we we think this off season was bad to talk about stuff. I can't wait for next winter to see what the hell we're going to talk about then, when there are no people to be signed and <laughs> and uh, no trades to be made. So we'll we'll see what that's like. But best part is we don't have to worry about that right now. We just have to worry about two days when baseball officially starts, and we can't wait. And we will be there all season, like we were last year to talk about it. And uh, we'll be back next week to talk about some meaningful baseball sean so I'll, I'll see you then let's go yankees all right let's go yankees thanks for listening everybody